Hello, and welcome to DoD Secure, the podcast discussing hard-hitting national industrial security program issues. We tackle security clearances, insider threat, classification, security training, and more. I am your host, security discipline and author and publisher, Jeff Bennett. This podcast is sponsored by SecurityClearanceDefenseLawyer.com and attorney Ron Sixtus. Ron consults in all area of security clearance concerns, and he can be reached by phone at 256-398-3316 or through his website. By Security First and Associates who provide FSO, CSSO consulting and training services. Hiring a full-time FSO can be expensive. A less expensive alternative is to use our managed security services. Our team of security professionals can help to minimize risk by assisting with many vital services from fingerprinting and background checks to DSS security vulnerability assessments. We also offer JPASS, FSO, and CSSO training. If you don't see the services you need, just ask. Security is our life. And by RedBikePublishing.com, security resources and books. Get your copy of NISPOM and ITAR and training to download and present to cleared employees. Hello and welcome to a new episode of DOD Secure the podcast that talks about security clearances and how to protect classified information once you get those security clearances. This episode is about personnel security clearances. Last episode, we talked about how security clearances were granted to defense contractor facilities. Once a facility gets their security clearance, they're usually deemed a cleared defense contractor, meaning that they can and will be able to um, be a an entity that can work on classified contracts. Sometimes these entities perform classified work within their facilities or perform classified work at other locations. So once a business becomes a cleared defense contractor, they need to have cleared employees to actually work on the classified contracts. And usually what happens is these employees have security clearances and they are hired right back to do classified work at another location. For example, say a cleared employee is performing at contractor A and contractor B hires them to uh, join their team. Well, the employee moves from contractor A, and he's brought over with their security clearance into the new clear defense contractor. But what happens if a contractor has to hire or has employees that do not have security clearances? How do they then get security clearances? And this is a good topic because I am often asked, hey, how do I get a security clearance? Or can I get a security clearance now in case I have to do classified work later? Well, we'll answer those questions throughout this podcast, beginning with, can I get a security clearance now and in order to get on classified work later? The answer is 
not unless there is a classified contract that you are able to work against. It's not possible without this classified contract relationship to get a security clearance. The, uh, in other words, the work comes first. The, the work needs to be in place first, and then there should be a need for your services. And once that need is met, then you can be hired and then put in for that security clearance. So the hiring comes first. So imagine that you're listening to this and you want to get a security clearance. How would you do it? The first step would be um, put yourself in for a job that requires a security clearance. For uh, There are many jobs that do require security clearances. Some of them are consulting there are engineering jobs, program management jobs, contracting jobs, personnel, security, and even janitorial services. In some um, instances, they do require security clearances because you have to work in and around classified information. If that's the case, and you desire to perform on defense contracting work or to get a security clearance, you can apply for those jobs. And there are several places that you can go and find people who are looking to hire people within your skill set. You can go to Headhunter or you can go to clearancejobs.com or usajobs.com. And there you can see the list of folks that are looking for employees to perform unclassified work. You can even filter those searches to... Um, focus in on the work that you are able to do. For example, if you are an engineer just coming out of college, you might look for an engineering job on usajobs.com or clearancejobs.com. So how do you get the security clearance? Again, you get hired for the job and then the, the clear defense contractor organization, usually the facility security officer, will put in a request once you're hired for you to get your security clearance. And that request comes in through their information system. Uh, there are different types depending on who you work for, but JPASS has been one of those systems that have been used. So to get put in for a security clearance, you will have to fill out what's called the SF-86. And it is a long form, and it takes a while to fill out. The form usually says about 180, 190 minutes of your time to complete that form. That form requires information from your history for the past 10 years. If you just come out of high school, you do not need to go back 10 years. But for the most part, they're looking for where you have lived in the past 10 years, where have you gone to school if you went to get higher education? You would list that. The jobs that you've had in the past 10 years. And also, you will need to be prepared to write down the names and addresses of your neighbors where you've lived, supervisors or people who knew you when you worked at that job that you listed or many jobs that you've listed as well as people who may have known you during the time that you went to college.
Also, you will need to provide information on your citizenship. If you're a U.S. citizen or if you're not a U.S. citizen, if you are a U.S. citizen, you will have to put how you became a U.S. citizen if you're not a naturalized citizen or a, or a U.S. citizen by birth. And then you will have to provide documentation of that certificate that makes you a U.S. citizen. Also have to get information of where you have lived, especially if you have lived overseas. Any uh, contacts that you've made overseas, um, how you know that person, where they live, how frequent your contact is with them. So as you can see, there is a lot of information that you will have to put on that form. So my advice is if you desire a job that requires a security clearance, why wait to get that job to start working on that information? I'll give you an example. Uh, when I went into the Army, this was a long time ago before computers, and my recruiter helped me fill out the forms that I needed to have my security clearance. It took way more than three hours to fill this form out because in my situation, I lived a lot of places moving with my dad and mom because dad was in the Army. I had many locations, many overseas locations, Many incidents of foreign travel, lots of addresses, lots of schools. And so I had to gather that information. It was stuck in storage boxes everywhere. So you want to gather that information and make it readily available. In fact, one good idea I recommend that people do is go online and download um, a form. Uh, SF86, you can... Put it in your favorite search engine, SF-86, that's Sierra Foxtrot 86, and it is a fillable form. And so why not fill it out? Why not get that documentation that shows where you have lived, who you know? It also wants to know about your marriages, divorces, and not only that, but any civil unions that you've had where you've lived with somebody that was not your husband or wife, but you lived as common law husband and wife. And if those relationships dissolved, you had to provide that information as well. Maybe in another podcast, we'll walk through the SF-86 and we'll ask questions. If you do have any questions on the SF-86, feel free to email me at editor at redbikepublishing.com. Additionally, um, I have an ebook that I'm providing on security clearances. And if you would like a copy of that ebook, we just ask that you register for our newsletter so you can keep in touch with articles and uh, information about security clearances and how to protect classified information once you get those security clearances. If you just go to redbikepublishing.com and look at the bottom of any page that you go to, you'll see a form there that says join our newsletter or receive our ebook. Um, you can also go to redbikepublishing.com slash contact. And we'd love to have you join us. Uh, that newsletter will talk to you more in depth about personnel and uh, facility security clearances and uh, the upcoming book insider's guide to security clearances is available for pre-order in there you can see more explicit or specific information on how to get that security clearance as well as good pointers on where to um, uh, conduct searches or how to conduct searches using your favorite search engine to find out and collect data that you need for your SF-86. So that is how the security clearance is initiated.
You as an individual or a job seeker cannot initiate a security clearance request that comes from the facility security officer or a point of contact at a defense, a clear defense contractor who may hire you. They are the trigger. Just like a, a defense contractor cannot put in for their own security clearance as a facility, they have to be triggered by sponsorship or subcontracting. Uh, sponsorship by a, a prime contractor or a, a government entity. So once that request is put in, investigators start with the SF-86 and begin conducting interviews. They may interview you as the subject and ask you questions about the SF-86. There are some things on the SF-86 that are going to be very personal to you. There are is also information that you may not understand how to fill out completely. Go ahead and ask for clarification from your facility security officer or maybe your sponsor of, you know, your company sponsor who, who has been through the process. The best advice I can give right now without knowing what your situation is, is to fill out the SF-86 completely and accurately and provide all the information that it's asking for. If you don't understand something, be sure to ask. Clarification is always good. It is not always clear uh, what kind of answer they are looking for. So take it at its word and read the question word for word and answer those questions. A lot of questions are on the 13 adjudicative criteria that will be used to determine whether or not you will get a security clearance. During the investigation, um, the... Uh, investigator will go down the SF-86 and ask questions about your contacts, who you knew, where you lived, as well as the questions that talk about the 13 adjudicative criteria. And that is the foreign influence, drug use, alcohol involvement, um, mental health counseling, um, misuse of internet or misuse of information technology, crimes, police reports, all of that is will be required for you to answer on the SF-86. And again, the best thing to do is to be honest, complete, and accurate. Many times security clearances have been denied not because of, of the answers that have been put, not because of the fact that somebody may have done drugs or committed a crime, but because they lied about it and they were not um, forthcoming. Just because um, you think that your answer may provide a red flag and you may not get your clearance, um, just because you raise a red flag does not mean you won't get that security clearance. The adjudicator and the investigators are the investigators will take notes, conduct interviews, ask you for clarifications if there are any issues. But neither the facility security officer, or the investigator. Anybody else is authorized to stop an investigation without authority. Meaning if they find something, they can't just stop the investigation and deny your clearance. The adjudicator will do that. Uh, the adjudicator will look at the record and the whole person. If there are red flags, crimes committed, or something that shows that you may not be able to uh, to hold a trusted position, they're going to look at the circumstances. 
How long ago did it happen? Why did it happen? How long did it happen? And again, with the interviews. So there are incidences where people have committed many, many um, things or red flags have arisen in the SF-86 that that you may think that they wouldn't get a clearance. But they have because they have mitigated the risk by their behavior. They've sought counseling. They've completed programs. Uh, It happened so long ago, it never happened again. And in the book, Insider's Guide to Security Clearances, we list examples of people, of things that have um, kept people from getting security clearances, as well as people who have overcome odds to get their security clearance. So again, be open, honest, but be cautionary. If you think that you have something with a red flag, there's nothing wrong with consulting and getting legal advice while filling that out. One, to protect yourself, and two, to get clarification. There are many in the legal field who can advise you on um, how to uh, navigate the SF-86 and put the answers so that um, you're being open, honest, and also... um, able to get your security clearance later. Uh, one person I can recommend is Ron Sixtus, Sixtus, and he is one of our sponsors. And his contact information is at the beginning and the end of this podcast, as well as you can see him on our newsletter and our website as a sponsor. So I encourage you to call him. I've referred him to many, many people, and he is very helpful and very knowledgeable of this he also has a podcast as well. And if you email me at editor at redbikepostion.com, I can get you more information on him and his um, legal services. All right. So throughout the process, you will be investigated and maybe even some of the people will be interviewed that you list as a reference. And maybe the investigators will use those references to find other people to interview concerning your history so that they can provide a good report, gather the information needed, and so that somebody can make a determination of whether or not you can be trusted with classified information. The purpose of the SF-86 and investigation is not to exclude people from security clearances, but again, to make that determination of whether or not, despite the circumstances or the answers on the SF-86, if a person can be trusted at this point in time to protect classified information. Now, the SF-86 becomes a matter of record. It will be stored. It will be handled by many different people. So realize up front that it will be used, but it will be used in accordance with Um, privacy laws as well. Uh, Information may be gathered from your SF-86, but it will not be gathered specifically to identify you. But that information will be used in determining your um, ability to get a security clearance. If you lie, if you intentionally commit fraud, you can be um, held accountable for that. It could cost you your job, future security clearances, or um, it may may cause you to... uh, be put on trial for lying and for fraud. So keep that in mind as well. Sometimes during the security clearance process and the adjudication process, you will be, uh, a clearance decision will be made. If a security clearance is denied, you are authorized or you have a way 
to go and contest that decision. You may appeal in writing, and there are steps to do that. And again, um, a good legal counsel can help you, such as Ron Sixtus, can help you navigate those waters. Um, If you are given the security clearances, some incredible things are going to happen. Often, before the investigation is completed, you may be put in or or granted an interim clearance. An interim clearance uh, allows you to work on classified information up to the secret level and while you're waiting for the final clearance to be granted. In some cases, interim clearances are denied, but that does not mean that you will be denied a security clearance. That just means red flags were raised and they need to be further investigated. Uh, many people have been granted a final clearance while being denied a an interim clearance. So don't let that be a, a big concern. So when you get your security clearance granted, you can expect to at some point get a urinalysis or a, a urine test, a drug test of some sort that may happen before your security clearance is granted and may, be, may happen when you are first hired. Usually these drug tests are conducted as a hiring action, but you may find yourself getting a drug test as a result of your security clearance and random times during the time you hold a security clearance. And keep in mind, later, these security clearances do have to be reinvestigated. You don't get a, it's not a one and done, but you will be filling out that SF-86 for the rest of your career at intermittent intervals. So the good news is that information is stored on a database and you can access it. The SF-86 is, if you fill out more than one in your career, they'll be compared to each other. So keep that in mind as you answer these questions. Once you get your security clearance, you'll get some additional training. Um, You will fill out an agreement with the U.S. government and with your SF, uh, with your FSO, your facility security officer, that you will um, adhere to the rules of protecting classified information. Um, And you will also receive information or security training called the security awareness training. You get it initially and you'll get it every year. And that training will be specific to the job that you'll perform as well as specific to the requirements of the National Industrial Security Program Operating Manual, the NISPOM, if you work for the Department of Defense. Um, Other training you could receive is insider threat training, derivative classifier training, and much, much more. So it's an exciting career. It's good having a security clearance. It's good being in that area of trust, knowing that people have confidence in you that you will protect classified information. And it's really super cool to uh, work in the Department of Defense. So again, um, this wraps up our talk about the personnel security clearances. If you haven't already heard it, go back to the uh, facility security clearance and hear some more about that. Um, It's a big, open, wide world in defense industry. Lots of jobs and opportunities available now, and many, many more are coming up. Again, I'd like to invite you to uh, order our book, Insider's Guide to Security Clearances. It's available at redbikepublishing.com, and it gives you many, many more details on um, how to get your personnel security clearances. If you're starting your own company, how to get a... Uh, facility security clearance and become a clear defense contractor. 
We also talk about resources that you can use to help you protect classified information and help you to be uh, uh, understand your job as a clear defense contractor or as an employee who is a cleared employee. Um, we also have security training to help you protect that classified information and meet requirements uh, for accessing classified information. Um, as usual, if you have any questions, contact us at editor at redbikepublishing.com. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for joining DOD Secure, the podcast that talks about security clearances and protecting classified information according to the NISPOM. For more information, visit us at dodsecure.com or email us at editor at redbikepublishing.com. We would again like to thank our sponsors, securityclearancedefenselawyer.com and Security First and Associates at www.securityfirstassociates.com. Thank you.